I'm Emily Potter, and this is SEO in 2023. Emily, what's your number one SEO tip for 2023? So for those of you that maybe read my tip last year, my tip tip this year is still to be doing testing, but to be doing it more, to be testing smarter and with more frequency. And if you are doing testing, again, you should still definitely, definitely be working with your product teams. That's even more true than it was last year. So get testing with those product teams and be doing it more efficiently and more often. So first of all, if you haven't consumed last year's content, seoin2022.com. You've only got 66 interviews to get through there. Podcast, <laughs> video, book, whatever. But stop consuming this piece of content right now and go back and consume that. And then you know exactly where to pick up from Emily's tips from 2023. So what would you be adding to, I guess, what you recommended last year. Are, are there any SEO testing activities that you often find aren't done but should be done? I mean, I think the one to keep hammering that I've touched on last year and wasn't the focus of my tip, but is, you know, talking with your product teams. I guess I should caveat everything I'm saying with, we work with enterprise companies, we do enterprise testing. So, you know, they can test at a much bigger scale than smaller websites. But the working with the product teams, I think... Again, it's so important because we're moving into this world with page experience and user experience is impacting SEO a lot more. And also product teams, even without that, are the source of so much frustration for our SEO teams. And what we're seeing more and more is that product teams are rolling out things like JavaScript frameworks that are running client side and they're negatively impacting SEO. So testing is a great way to kind of make your business case and show them, hey, this thing that you did is harming organic traffic. We're on the same team. Our bottom line is what's important. But also they're the source of great ideas and development on your website that you're not going to be able to do. So you can play to each other's strengths, basically. And hence you saying work smarter with your CRO teams. So are CRO teams generally the JavaScript evil people? <laughs> I don't, I mean, JavaScript isn't evil. There's a good reason that they're using no, it. No, maybe. <laughs> I was talking about CRO teams. <laughs> yeah. Well, product teams, CRO teams, others might just call them their engineering team. You know, there's lots of different names for it or development teams. But the people that are, you know, designing what your website actually looks like for your users and how it functions. And they very often are doing CRO testing, which is the thing that comes into conflict with SEO testing very often. And I mean, when you talk about testing smarter, does that mean that you shouldn't be testing certain things and you should be testing other things more often? I think I mean two things by that. So if you have the capability using smart technologies to be able to test fast, I think is one aspect of it. So whether, you know, that's something like SearchPilot that can actually change your website, whether that's trying to get set up on Edge, if you have something like Cloudflare, to be able to make really agile changes to your website. And so being able to, and using technology to bucket your pages in a way that makes them really sensitive. So that way you can get positive results for really small incremental changes. So that's something, again, the splitting up our pages into statistically similar buckets as we call them. So basically taking 100 pages, 50 are control, 50 are variant, splitting them up, not just in equal traffic, but similar traffic patterns. That allows you, you know, now we can detect things like 3% uplifts that come from very minor changes that you're making on your website, but 
for enterprise customers, that can be a really big deal. So that's all coming from, you know, smart bucketing and modeling, but then having things like edge or search pilot or a way to change your website really quickly means you can do lots of things fast, lots of different tests. So a good example is something like title tag tests. What we do with a lot of customers is we come up with like 10 different title tag formats that we want to test and we just spit them out and turn them out really quickly. And we often will land on one that's positive, but particularly with Google overriding title tags now, you can't predict very easily what's going to work. You can't predict how Google's going to reformat your title based off the change that you made or what parts is going to crop out or if it's even going to show it up at all. So you really should just be throwing tons of different things at it. And if you, you need to have the setup to do that at scale. So when you t talk about smart bucketing and modeling, does this, the search pilot or um, SEO on the edge allow you to test statistically similar pages and then just implement the tests on a set number of pages? So you need two different things. You need the technology, whether, you know, to create the buckets and do the model. And then you need a separate technology to make the change to the variant pages that you make. So the meta CMS edge technology is what's going to change your variant pages. And then you need some sort of analytic tool to help you make statistically similar buckets and also model the impact of the change while your test is running. Any particular software um, that you would recommend for this? <laughs> Can I recommend SearchPilot? Yeah, I mean, so we use, again, with the caveat that this is enterprise websites, but we have a neural network model. So we use machine learning technology to do this, which means we can, one, create buckets based off patterns that are machine learning in real time to try and create the statistically similar buckets. By that, I mean, it's constantly changing things to figure out exactly what works best at a scale that you can't do with just, you know, humans with lots of processing power. And then that's also able to forecast that technology, uh, the variant sessions. And with forecasting, you're measuring against the same thing rather than measuring against control pages, which is going to introduce a lot of bias because you can never perfectly split those things up. I'm using lots of different terms that are maybe new, so I'm happy to kind of try and make them a bit easier to understand if any of them you think I should go into. Well, you, I mean, you obviously mentioned that uh, your solution tends to aim for enterprise size clients. If you're an SEO for a relatively small website, you know, a few hundred pages, perhaps WordPress based site, um, is there an optimum solution for that type of situation? I mean, there's lots of different tools online for doing that, either paid software that's a bit cheaper, or there's blog posts on how to create buckets and run a causal impact analysis, for example, that you can do with your changes, which all that's probably going to be a bit better than what we do historically in SEO, which is we made a change. We see that graph went up after date and we made that change. Then we definitely can call this positive. So you want to do some sort of controlled testing to get an idea of was change, was traffic increased because of algorithm update or was it because of the change that I made? That's really kind of what you want to get a better answer of. And it seems like you're losing something, right? When you explain it in that way of people get to stop being able to point at graphs that are up and to the right and say, hey, this is because of the change we made. But I think the selling point would be the other thing that's probably happening is you make a change that positively impacted your traffic, algorithm update, seasonal thing happens, and actually it looks like your graph is negative. But in reality, that's because of not the thing that you did and you're missing out on some gains by not being able to separate all those things. So I think for smaller websites, that's a 
bigger challenge because you're working with less traffic, less data. But I think still trying to do this and what we do with our customers that have lower traffic levels is just run the tests for longer as well. So that's something to look into if you're trying to do these things and running it for a week, that's probably not going to be possible at low traffic levels. You want to be looking at like six weeks maybe. So trying to figure out how to get a controlled testing environment as much as possible, I think will be the aim. I guess a key use for testing on a smaller website would be if there was a page that was performing reasonably well in terms of traffic, but um, the SEO or the content person wanted to to tweak the content, take elements out, add elements to it. Would you suggest that it's better off to implement those changes in some kind of split test form instead of actually just doing the changes and see what happens? Yeah, I think so. Or even, you know, I, I think an example with our own website, searchpilot.com, which is very low traffic relative to our customers. Will Critchlow, our CEO, had done some basic keyword research for our case studies pages, for example, made some changes to the titles and H1s. And we can see that actually, yeah, there was some sort of improvement from that date, but he knows when he made them, which pages he changed to. And again, there's still definitely some of that. It might not be because of the change that we made thing going on there, but I once you know at least, I guess, best case way you can do it, you can start to figure out, okay, what is what is possible within my website? How can I do this to the best of my ability with the constraints that I have, which is probably still going to end up working out better than just looking back <laughs> and seeing if it made the chart change. So yeah, just trying to think ahead of time what you can do and implementing as much as you can. Can you talk a little bit about statistical significance and how you actually know if, if you've actually won with, with your new, new, new um, scenario? So we, again, our like neural network model, as we call it, does the, generates the charts for us, generates confidence intervals for us, which is confidence intervals are kind of the base of when we're talking about st statistical significance. So what we're saying with a confidence interval is we are 95% confident, which is kind of the gold standard from the science world, that the change will fall between this lower end and this top end. So something like that we're all familiar with, the vaccines, for example, what might have happened with the COVID vaccines is they said, we're 95% confidence. This is going to be effective from 75% to 95% efficacy rate, I think is what they were using. So that's the, they would have set a threshold that that bottom of that range needs to hit. And then we can say it's definitely at bet, at worst, it's going to be at our threshold at best, it's way up here. So that's kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about statistical significance. Translated to SEO testing, we end up saying something like, we're 95% confidence. This is going to be a plus 1% increase to organic traffic to a plus 15, maybe. So we know for sure this is going to be positive. And we generate all that, again, with the neural network model. But again, there's going to be tools like causal impact is something you can look into where you can input the data that you have and it will generate those confidence intervals for you. So you want to get an idea of what that is and that will help you with your business case conversations as well. Because if you go in saying that top end of the range number, what might happen is your boss is like, you told me this was going to have a plus 50% increase for organic traffic and we saw plus four. If you had a really wide confidence range, that might actually be exactly what your model said was going to happen. So I think there's a lot of language to get used to using as well. But does that answer your question? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the key thing is a ninety-five percent gold standard um, statistical um, significance. So if you're, yeah, achieving that, then don't keep on running the test and <laughs> yeah, uh, trying to yeah. get down. Yeah, so that's yeah. Once we hit that, we tend to want to leave it a couple of days to make sure it stays. But if it does, but the other thing, going back to kind of that testing smarter, one thing we talk about is actually we're doing business though, not science. So the ninety-five percent level was created by the scientific community. It's technically a bit arbitrary, but even they have good reasons that they have that standard for something like a vaccine that if it goes wrong, it could really kill, it could kill someone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas for our cases, actually something like 90% confidence or 80% confidence even could be fine. And what we talk about is using kind of a matrix of your decision making if of both what the result says and what your hypothesis and how strong that is so say we're running a test where we're adding a really high search volume keyword to the title tags which is a pretty well established way to improve your rankings in seo if that was positive at the 90 percent confidence interval we might say hey odds are this is probably good, we should roll this out. Rather than miss out on those gains because we're stuck to this scientific standard that we don't necessarily need to hold ourselves to because the downside is a lot less bad. Understood. So, so, so use a little bit of common sense. If you're stuck at 80%, and you just don't seem to be improving, then stop the test and just implement the change and, and take the 80% win. Just finally, in relation to testing, should you always be testing or is this something that you should use just do every few months or so? So, I would lean towards, this is something else like Will has been speaking about lately, CEO of Searchpilot, is what he's calling Moneyball SEO. So it's the idea that similar to basketball and baseball and really professional sports, you can see over time they've started doing less in basketball specifically, less shots from the middle part. It's either like right when they're next to the rim or a three-pointer. And from statistical analysis, they found the the amount of times that they hit those mid-range shots is not worth the two points that they give you because the odds of making it are not as good as close to the rim and you get one less point. Similarly with SEO, what we're finding at Searchpilot is a lot of these kind of equivalent mid-range shots that we're making of, you know, updating meta descriptions are not really giving us that much. Whereas all the things that we implement from like positive tests, which are closer to the rim, are what you should be focusing on. So things that we have evidence actually work, whether that's from something like Searchpilot, if you're a smaller website, because you've run your own kind of testing methodology. Or the other thing we find tends to work regardless if you're testing or not is new content links. Those sorts of things still definitely do a good job for SEO and should always be part of your strategy. But those kind of middle things, if you can't test them or you can't find some good reason to give you reason to actually implement those things or invest the resources in them, we should maybe not be spending our time there. So I think that's kind of what we're pushing for. And I think a lot of SEOs could benefit from thinking a bit more like that. So yes, testing. If you can test, definitely do it, I think is our stance. So you've shared what SEO should be doing in 2023. Now let's talk about what SEO shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEO shouldn't be doing in 2023? One thing, so I talked about content. I think updating content, actually, this is a bit of a controversial one, I think. But we're seeing a lot of moving 
I think updating templated content is what I'm going to stick with. So we see this on enterprise websites all the time. They generated a template at some point. They spend a lot of time being like, hey, we can improve this template across our whole website. And what we're seeing is very often that templated content isn't any better than the previous templated content that they had. So what happened if you add new content that tends to move the needle or like still what does move the needle is like really good quality content that's either written by copywriters. So good one for the humans. Or we've seen like very advanced AI technologies that our customers work with to create localized content that's unique. So this kind of replacing boilerplate content with new improved boilerplate content is something we don't see moves the needle very often, but is very resource intensive for SEOs. Whereas something like just updating your title tags is tends to be a big, like, again, you should definitely test it because we see swings both ways. But, you know, we see all the time our customers are like, oh, title tags, that's kind of boring, but they're the source of a lot of wins. Millie Potter is head of customer success at Search Pilots, and you can find her over at e underscore M Potter on Twitter. Emily, thanks so much for being a part of SEO in 2023. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Get your copy of SEO in 2023, the book, over at seoin2023.com.